Welcome to the Wordplay Cafe podcast. I am host part two, Tomas J. Stanton, joined with my amazing host part one, Jennifer M. Castellum. I like the transition there. I don't know if you listened to the first handful of podcasts, but you were always part one. Yeah. And it's very natural that I'm now part one. Well, yeah, I feel like, you know, it's um, psychological warfare. When you know that you're like superior to someone, you have to build them up by making <laughs> them think that they I are. I thought you just like knew that part two was a more accurate description of you for a number of reasons. This is true. <laughs> I, am, I am constantly thinking about number twos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> particularly in emergency situations. Um, Jennifer Massive Gastelum, how yes. are you today? Massive. I'm good. Yeah. 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 Um, it's Friday. Yep. We usually record on Fridays, which is good. All kinds of events and obligations coming up, but all good things. So, you know, you know your brain's full when someone asks you how you're doing and you're like, it's Friday. That's right. It's Friday. (laughs) Let me just like reorient. (laughs) Well, let's get into this uh, dialogue because it is not about you nor I. It is about our amazing guest. Um, This is an individual who I have met now. I think I've known you for about going on a year and a half. Correct. Um, You are like certified. I think if I if if I was a dictator, I would just like completely avoid the democratic process and anoint you as the president of Wordplay Cafe's community because mm. you are just like, you're that committed. And I first and foremost want to thank you for that. But before I do, or yeah, before, after, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> let's tell the people who you are. Please put your hands together one time for the amazing Cynthia Wheeler. Bah, 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 bah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, like it's Friday, you know. (laughs) (laughs) What's to complain about? Nothing. I really appreciate your compliments. They're over the top. Um, okay. I I mean, I think they're accurate. (laughs) Look. Well, if there were a president, I would accept, but I'd then quickly become the dictator. Oh. It always worries me when... Tomas's sentences start with, if I were a dictator. (laughs) (laughs) I don't say that often, do I? I mean, (laughs) I'll start keeping a tally. I took a personality test. I forget which one it was, like Myers-Briggs or something like that. And I would definitely, my personality is executive, which I think kind of leans to um, dictator-ish type, you know, (laughs) but... I like to think that I, I um, try really hard to be diplomatic. Mm-hmm. You know, I know where my strengths and my weaknesses are. And Cynthia, you make me stronger. Thank you. Uh, That's sweet. Such a poet. Cool. Well, we're excited. Like I said, uh, you've been a part of the Wordplay Cafe podcast, or not podcast, but the Wordplay Cafe community uh, for since the the inception of it. Um, You were the co-winner of the Story Slam Championship last year, and you are the feature for our show in October. Ghost stories. Ghost stories. 
I do already have one. Do you? Yes, I do. Is it like a certified ghost story? No. No? <laughs> have you ever seen, like, have you, do you have any experiences in, with, like, ghosts in real life? Oh, I do. But I also have experience with ghost stories. Okay. So, nice. The, you know, you kind of have to show up to hear that part. Yeah. Well, can, can we'll give them a little taste towards the end. Mm, maybe okay <laughs> she's a gangster um so the way we start this podcast though before we get into where you are now is kind of like how you got there so the the question is jen can i say it all the time i want to hear somebody else say it okay who made you and who raised you <laughs> um well you know i'm a fifth generation native ozarkian what yeah, I'm from, from the, the Ozarks. Ozarks. I'm a hillbilly. Where, where is the Ozarks? The Ozarks is in southern Missouri and northern Arkansas. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, my parents grew up in a small town on the Missouri-Arkansas line called Thayer, Missouri. And then they moved to Springfield, which is the queen city of the Ozarks. Mm. And uh, that's where I grew up. And uh, my dad was a pharmacist, and my mom was a homemaker, as was, you know, very typical back then. My mother, um, I remember, was mortified when the Beverly Hillbillies came out on TV. Do you know of that show? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because she thought it portrayed us as hillbillies, and she had spent her life trying to escape that stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, of course, was a pharmacist, so he was a professional guy, and, you know, I don't think he worried about those kinds of things. But he was also a writer, and um, that was his, his sideline. And uh, I think he was really an inspiration, my mentor, you know, because I learned a lot about telling a good story from him, whether he was telling it or he was writing it. Nice. That's cool. So stories have been a part of your life since you were a youngster. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That's cool. Nice. So who, so who raised you? And, I, you know, like, I'm assuming you were raised by your parents. I think that's a given. But, like, were there any yeah. other influences that you can remember that kind of helped you become who you are? Well, both of my brothers were... Um, the. The next brother in line is five years younger, and the next one is seven. And so my mother, um, I think, really looked forward to the summers when she could ship me off to my grandmother's, and I could spend time with them and not be in her hair. And um, so I think they were both really influential. One of them was extremely creative and taught me how to crochet and sew and all those kinds of domestic arts. And the other one um, that lived in Thayer, we would spend the summer on the river. And uh, we would go out and stand on the falls and fish and play and paddle around in the Long John and do all kinds of things uh, that, um, as I've mentioned in my stories, uh, should have killed one of the grandkids along the way someplace. Rivers are dangerous. Rivers are dangerous. Yeah. And in the Ozarks, you have karst topography, so the river has lots of falls, and underneath the falls are caves, and um, 
so there's just other all kinds of underwater hazard. It was only until later that I found out my grandmother couldn't swim. So <laughs> we were just out there doing it, you know. A little dangerous, Grandma. A little dangerous, but we survived, and we learned a lot from her and more storytelling from her. Um, she had lots of, of stories that she told us about her childhood in the Ozarks, and um, I think that that was a heavy influence. My mother, uh, my mom and dad, my dad was a workaholic. You know, he was over at the hospital filling prescriptions all the time, it seemed like. Even on holidays, he would volunteer to be there it, at times, it seemed. And my mother was... Um, uh, really strict, and she cleaned all the time. I mean, you could have eaten dinner behind her refrigerator. She was just mm. fanatical about that. But they were really caring, loving parents, and we did a lot of fun things, and we did a lot of family things, and we always had dinner at the table at night together, the whole family. And so, again, more of the storytelling came out at that time. So. That's a really lost art is dinner at the dinner table. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do that, Jen, with your fam? I mean, loosely. Yeah. We have the a three-year-old and an 11-month-old, and they, their appetite and their diet is a little bit different than... It's more like a buffet. Ours, yeah. So it's kind of like... And there's also, you know, the Mexican culture influence. So there's, so dinner is often earlier and then we do like a snack late. It's like a whole thing. So, so you have no, supper. not yet. Yeah. Yeah. But I hope eventually we get to that point. Yeah. Maybe when they're a little older, we can pull that off. Yeah. I think it's what cool. What about Maybe. you? No. You guys? no. No. We try. The two older ones we do. The Santiago. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he, he does what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Grab and go. Preparing him stop. to, you know, be a spoiled brat for sure. Um, so, Miss Cynthia, when I hear about where you're from, it reminds me of where my godmother uh, lived in Kingsland, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, her house was like maybe 200, 300 yards away from an open river right mm-hmm. there. And uh, I, I remember going there and setting a trot line, I think is what it's yeah. called, in the middle of the night. Did you I, ever do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Have what you ever that? gigged? Gigged? No. You've never gigged frogs? No. What is that? <laughs> I need to know both of, yeah. both of these definitions. Oh, that's another story. That's, the, that's a story that I split off into the fireworks story that I told in July. Okay. And the second part of that story is about a night we were gigging frogs. So how do you gig a frog? Well, you have a really long pole with a spear at the end. And then you have a John boat, hopefully, because that's much steadier. That's a big flat boat. Mm-hmm. And um, you paddle out there after, well, before the moon comes up, because when the moon comes up, then they can see you. But the frogs are all along the bank croaking. And, and you have one person with a flashlight and one person paddling and then uh, one person with the, with the gig. The gig, which is a spear. Yes. So my dad would have the gig... And I would paddle, and my brother would have the fl- one of my brothers would have the flashlight, and they would shine it along the shore until we found a really big, fat, juicy one. And I would paddle in towards it very quietly, and everybody had to be very quiet. And then Dad would thrust the spear and gig the frog. Then he pulled it off of the 
gig and threw it in a bucket with his bare hands. Oh my God. That doesn't sound vegan. (laughs) (laughs) But it tastes like chicken. (laughs) I've had frog before. Frog legs. It does taste like chicken. It's it's interesting. Have you, have you ever had frog legs? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Is it? Is it like chicken? It tastes like chicken, but it looks like frog legs and it's really weird to psychologically process that. Oh my gosh. That's, I had like a whole image in my head of how that went down with the, the flat boat and the, uh, uh, huh. That's I'm, like a whole different world. I was like born and raised here, so this is all I know. We do obviously do not have that. <laughs> those are very, I always think about those skills. I too, with the exception of spending a couple summers with my godmother in Texas, uh, you know, we, we were city, 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 city folk, you know. So I often wonder if there's ever like a zombie apocalypse. The folks who live in the rural areas who, who learn to live off the land and mm-hmm. gig a frog are the ones that are probably going to survive. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you better start gigging, friend. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the world needs you. You talking to me? You're looking I'm right at me. I'm looking right Work at you. You better my... start gigging. I'm going to come to the next wordplay with my, is it a gig? Is that what the a gig? Yeah. stick with the spear on it? Yeah. I'm going to make a gig at my house. Totally reasonable thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Bring Should it have to the like, help you. I'm going to, we're going to raffle it off. She'll be all in. <laughs> Well, you know, just for the record, I have not eaten squirrel. Okay. And everybody thinks that if you're from the Ozarks, you've eaten squirrel because they've either watched Winter's Bone or they've watched uh, Anthony Bourdain, rest in peace. Yeah. And his Missouri episode where they ate something like squirrel pot pie. I have never even heard of that. Come on. But... Um, <laughs> squirrel I just, pot pie. I just want you to know, I've had venison, I've had crawdads, and I've had... Uh, frog legs but no squirrel and of course all kinds of fish but that's no yeah. squirrel there's that show have either of you seen that ozark show yes yeah is that at all accurate it's funny we were just talking about that this week because i'm still trying to figure out how ruthie pulled the paddle boat all the way from cape Girardeau to bagnell dam see and i have like no frame of reference for that i don't I mean, even think maybe we've... there's a way and i don't get it but uh-huh. <laughs> Is this like a, a fiction show? It's not like reality TV? No, it's not. It's a. It's on uh, Netflix. It's really good. Mm-hmm. I, we haven't finished the first season. It gets pretty violent. Mm-hmm. And, so, and I have like mm-hmm. a real hard time watching violence. So we have to take like long breaks from violent shows before we go back and finish watching them. But yeah. it's good. It's well done. That's kind of like Breaking Bad in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. actually a really good comparison. Yeah. What other types of... Uh, artistic so you said I, I love how you said dom, like domestic arts <laughs> knitting crocheting <laughs> sewing I love how you made that artistic um, what other sources of art were present in your your younger days um, well first of all let me clarify it sounds like I grew up on the river doing all these you know river kind of things and I really had a very normal upbringing Um, And I always thought that, you know, when Martha Stewart came along, I thought my mother was the predated Martha Stewart. I really thought she was the Martha Stewart of her time. Because if company was coming, she was going to braid a stolen and 
drizzle icing over it. Mm. At Christmas time, we were going to make ornaments for the tree and they were going to be special because they were going to be out of pieces of velour that she'd saved from a dress and then we were going to put pearls on them and you know she always had an idea and her her philosophy was with kids particularly I think kids like me whose minds are going 90 to nothing keep them busy keep them busy keep them out of trouble keep them busy, keep them out from underneath your feet, you know, so, and she had these three kids who were just overactive, so she was always thinking up these projects like that for us to do, that focused around art. Then by the time I got into high school, I was thinking of my own project, and I remember one year I spent, um, uh, on the couch, cutting up pieces of magazines and gluing to a lunchbox in a decoupage kind of collage kind of way. And I think I just total, drove her totally nuts that year, completely over the edge. And um, I began to think of myself like that painting of Madame Recamier because I would just be laying there cutting all day long, obsessed with this <coughs> lunchbox. I'm not really sure it ever finished. No. Maybe not. You don't know if you finished that? All that work went into it? No, I remember carrying it around, but I don't think it ever totally huh. was finished. Another thing I did was glue toothpicks together when I was um, couldn't sleep or, you know, and I made this structure that was like six feet high in my bedroom, and it was just toothpicks. And your parents were willing to supply you with that many toothpicks? <laughs> I guess I, I again in that it's in the vein of, of keep her busy. Yeah, they're like, well, she's into <laughs> so toothpicks right I now. There was so. something to do, and and it was years later I met someone who also had this sort of toothpick fetish going on. He had taken a rainy day and gotten all the toothpicks and gone around and put one every one inch in the woodwork base woodwork around the house and he said his mother would call him years later and say Joe I found another one of those toothpicks <laughs> is that that's probably before dental floss was invented right probably like, <laughs> I don't know because I wonder like no think about it like what a toothpick that's a that's that's technology right but premature technology because floss Obviously, you can get in between the teeth a little better, but like, so toothpicks had to be pre-dental floss. You think so? Yeah, why would, why would somebody... But it's not like dental floss is like this crazy, like, movement forward in technology of no? the mouth. I don't know. I mean, have you used floss and used a toothpick? Which one works better? I mean, Augie insists on having toothpicks in the house. We have toothpicks at our house. That's machismo, though. That's not, that's not, nothing to do with getting stuff out from it. Machismo. Please go on. Please go on. There's just something about feeling real masculine when you have a toothpick in your mouth, you know? Yeah. Rest I'll in let, peace, Burt Bert Reynolds, you know. Uh, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> used to have that toothpick, you know. Anyways, so so now, so we so we got into kind of a little bit of your, your earlier days, right, the influences. Um, what's the next big leap for you in terms of uh, your life? 
Like what, what's the next big, big break? Next shift. Next shift. The next shift. Mm-hmm. How'd you get out of the mountains? <laughs> um, I just ran screaming towards the coast. <laughs> and stopped in Arizona. Yeah. No. Actually, I eloped. And, uh, but we stayed in Springfield. And uh, I had two kids. I have two kids. How old were you? Uh, when I eloped, yeah. 18. You have to be 18 to get a marriage so license. So you just were waiting. I, w- I was just like, let me out of this house. And that was the only way to elope? Well, you know, it helped that I was deeply, madly in love, you know. Okay. So, yeah. There was love yeah. involved? Yes, okay. there was love, yes. Was he a strapping, handsome Burt Reynolds type? Well, you know, uh, people used to say that he looked like, uh, sort of like Al Pacino. Whoa, And let's go. other people said he looked like um, Frank Zappa. Um, I don't know who that is. Uh, he's an old rocker who is gone now. Okay. Yes. He's got a cool name. Um, so, yeah, he was a good-looking guy. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. Is that what had you smitten? I guess. I kind of do love like this. I walk in the room, I look at him, and I go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best way to do it. You. You. Over here. Me. We're going to elope. You're going to get me out of my house. (laughs) Where did you guys, so you stayed in Springfield. We stayed in Springfield and um, I eventually, yeah, and we eventually divorced. And uh, I went back to school, finished up a degree, and then I did move away for a couple of years. And I went back because my mother was really ill and I went back to take care of her. And after she passed, uh, I found myself in a place where I could really think about, you know, where do I want to go? And my youngest daughter and I looked at several cities, and we just picked Phoenix. Nice. So we loaded up a truck, and we put all the pets in the car and headed out here. And that was 20 years ago. I always wonder how people ended up in Phoenix. It sounds to me like it was kind of random. Like, what was it about Phoenix that had you ever been? Did you know anything about I Phoenix? Had been, oh, I had been. I had been. I We knew we wanted to be warm. You know, the thing about the Ozarks is there's not enough snow to ski, and yet you always have these ice storms. And so I had hardly gone through a winter without falling and getting one of those grapefruit-sized bruises on my butt. And I said, I'm really so done with this ice and this weather. And um, if we go to Arizona and we go to Phoenix, if we feel like we need to see the snow, we can. It's Mm -hmm. driving distance. But otherwise, we don't have to put up with it. Yeah. So So what was... I got a couple of backstory questions. What was your degree in? Economics. Economics. Interesting. Don't you remember that story? It was my favorite. The ec- the, the, the college, math. the math story. The math story. Oh, math envy. I yeah. remember the math mm-hmm. story, but I didn't remember the economics part of it. There was joints involved. I remember the joints. That's, <laughs> I think that's one of my favorite stories, too. Um, and then it, just you and your youngest daughter? Do you have an older daughter? Uh-huh. And then she eventually came out here too, okay. and now she's back in Missouri. So oh, okay. Yeah. 
And so that was 20 years ago, and mm-hmm. your youngest daughter's still out here? Mm-hmm. And you never looked back. You stayed. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So it was a good choice. Yeah. How does one who has such an interesting uh, upbringing, right, dive into economics? Like, what was the thought process of that, that being your major? Um, I thought it was very practical and universally applicable. They, the professors told us, you know, you can do anything when you have an economics degree. And I thought, good, because I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> so I think this will work, you know. And, and I really wanted to go to law school. There was not a law school in Springfield. Um, and so I never quite got there. I suppose that's a big regret in life. But um, economics just seemed to be, um, I, I thought, well, I could go into business or I could go this direction. or so Maybe a little mm-hmm. safe. Yeah. A little safe. Safe, yeah. Did you ever consider going into anything artistic? Considering you, it sounds like you're, you have like a pretty highly influenced like creative background. I did think about that, but um, when I first graduated from high school before I eloped, uh, I thought I'd be an art major, but an art teacher major because that would be practical, but being an artist would not be practical. Mm-hmm. I heard yeah. that story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel it's like tough. you've always lived on this like kind of thin line of being practical? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. Do you think there's a, a deeper reason as to why? Uh, that it's like there's two beings living, living in my head. I don't mean to sound schizophrenic, but there's that artist-creative person, and then there's this practical, what would my mom think if I did this? Mm. And, um, and then there's just the practicality of money. But when I moved out here, I opened a floral shop and I lived off of my ability to design for a number of years. Um, so I, you know, I, I kind of convinced myself I could do that, that I could support myself being an artist. But then when it came down to very practical, again, things like a 401k. Mm-hmm. Those are nice. Oh, man. I think. You know, and... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Things like health insurance, you know, if you're, at that time, if you were a business owner, there was really nothing at all. And um, so I eventually had to look at those things and say, wow, look how old you are and you still don't really have a 401k. How awful is that that that's like, that's a thing that we have to deal with at, at any given point in our life? Like, oh, that 401k thing. I really should be putting mm-hmm. money into that. And mm-hmm. It's like, why? Why do we, I mean, like, I get why. Yeah. Right? Like, I know all the practical stuff, but 401k, I mean, just the name of it is, feels obscure to me. I'm sure there's a reason it's called that, but I have no idea what it Let's would be. Let's ask the economics <laughs> expert. Why is it called 401k? I don't know. You don't know? Mm, 401k. I don't know. We're in a basement. Maybe that's a statute or something. A statute. 401k. Yeah, I don't know. We don't statute, have, we don't have Wi-Fi statute. down here, so we can't look it up. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is It is kind of sad when you think about the way our capitalistic society is, is set up. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 
always say this disclaimer, I, I'm kind of a middle of the road type of person. So like, I'm not against capitalism, but um, I definitely think that the, you know, some of that survival of the fittest and, you know, oftentimes the survival of the shadiest, you know, when it comes to like 401ks and health insurance and there's got to be a better way to provide some type of security for for the people you know that allows them to follow their passions and because i also believe that if you're a person who doesn't have to think about money and things like that and you can just work in an area where you're passionate like that is the answer to making the world a better place is like people working in places where they actually care about what they're doing not because they have to earn a check mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. anyways i'm off my soapbox someday when you're a dictator someday when i'm a dictator i'm gonna be the best dictator in the <laughs> world the man i have all the great yeah, sure. ideas <laughs> uh yeah i'm gonna start keeping a, a notebook of all of your great dictator ideas yeah yeah well, so when you eventually run for dictator I can't. I have too much of a history to you run, run for to be a any. Dictator, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing no. that you run for. Like, <laughs> put my hat in the race to be voted even, into my dictatorship. I didn't even think about that. I just definitely think about my how dirty politics is. Like, let me tell you, it would be the greatest political season. Um, at least locally, if I was running for any type of office and was in like a real position to win, the commercials you would see. <laughs> the dirt, the <laughs> ones that the are dirt. like, don't vote for Tomas and K. They, stand in. And they would be like, people would be like, there's no way. And I'd be like, nope, yeah, there's That's actually true. a little bit of a way. That's not entirely true, but there's definitely some truth there. There'd be one commercial just like solely devoted to all the times that you almost bleach your pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. But like, what? What else? Look, okay. Put this in your book. What? What other better type of leader is, is one who's like lived the life, you know? That's made some mistakes, and you know, like, didn't buy into what, uh, you know, what is good and what is bad. Hmm. 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 Would you ever? Run and for that's office? your label, isn't it? What's good? What's bad? What's good? What's bad, man? I'm just human, and I care. And I'm tall. <laughs> Would you ever run for office? No. No? I, I have a past, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you I'd do. I'd vote for you, Cynthia. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could probably get away with things a little more than I could. Ah. Uh, yeah. Nah. Future is definitely not Tomas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So you've always balanced this kind of practical side with this creative side um and what it was it a year ago when you started coming to wordplay was that the first time that you really kind of because i would consider i i know you only as an amazing storyteller and artist like that's all i know you as and was that the first time that you kind of had an opportunity to take it serious yeah really Oh, yeah. Good job, Jen. Way to create that culture. Yeah. Yeah, you too. I had been going to a uh, women's writing circle, you know, and uh, they would uh, read a a writing prompt, maybe a poem or something, and it was usually pretty um, earthy or uh, spiritual or uh, thoughtful. 
and then we would do a fast write, and everybody would have uh, share bits about wonderful, insightful pieces uh, that I thought were really deep or really beautiful, or I was using those kinds of terms to describe it, and then I was writing stuff that everybody was just laughing hysterically about. Sounds like your style. And and it was bits and pieces, because when you do a 15-minute uh, fast write, how much do you get? You know, you have maybe two pages. But I had a lot of pieces of material there, and I started realizing that when I started writing about myself, and instead of, instead of this was a really important thing for me, uh, my humor had always been based on making fun of other people. You know, I was that catty girl that, you know, said things about how people were dressed and, you know, I was kind of You're a, a bully. Yeah, kind of a mean spirited <laughs> little bully. And when I said, I got to stop doing this, this is not helpful to me, it's not helpful to other women, it's not raising up people, it's not raising up our gender. And I, I said, look, you know, I had a little heart-to-heart -heart with myself. If you're going to, you know, tell the stories on yourself, this is really about you, then it changed altogether, and everything just started spilling out onto the page, and I couldn't write fast enough. And there was plenty of humor there, and there was plenty of depth, and there was plenty of cathartic moments for me, and I was getting something out of it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think writing is, is one of the most therapeutic things that, that anyone can do, you know, because mm -hmm. it, it really does. It, it's an artistic way to express yourself. But, it, you know, if you like what you said, if you take the approach that you take, um, it, it's reflective and you yeah. start to explore really, really massive uh, thematic things like you know, all these abstract concepts like love and privilege and justice and all these things, but you explore them very detailed with your own personal experience. And that's, mm -hmm. to me, the best way to connect yeah. as humans. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I showed up at Wordplay, I wasn't really sure what to expect. And um, I realized that first night that this might be a place where I could read an actual whole finished piece. Mm -hmm. And um, so I came back that next week and read, and I remember you spoke to me afterwards and said, well, that was really great. I didn't know what you were going to do. but And I was just like, I have a bunch of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Hold still. <laughs> you know? Um, but the best thing that's happened then from that is that you have a five-minute uh, limit. Mm -hmm. And if you start writing for a five-minute limit, you learn word economy. Mm. And suddenly, all that stuff that is not purposeful to the story, but that you, your little darlings, as Stephen King likes to call them, you know, that you love, that was so cute that you stuck in there, but has no real content to the purpose of the story gets sliced off and it really makes your story more powerful don't you think absolutely trim the fat man yeah trim the fat and that is not me shaming <laughs> po poetry or stories <laughs> no it is yeah it, it is important because i think a lot of times as a as a poet or a storyteller you feel like you have to add 
all, like you said, all these really shiny, fluffy kind of details and, you know, adjectives and things like that, where the mm-hmm. truth is, is like, no, just keep it moving. Keep mm-hmm. the story moving. Be as direct. Like, you know, there's ways to be fancy with language, mm-hmm. you know, but you don't need more to be fancy and clever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. And your humor in your writing is so like natural and easy like it doesn't feel like you're you were trying right it just feels like a natural part Thanks. of the story and it's hilarious and super fun to listen to so thanks i'm so glad that you found word but how did you find it Ah, uh, where did i see that you know uh, mesa art center as a member sends me emails mm. i kind of think they sent me an email oh, nice. that would make sense that they did being that it is curated through the Mesa Art Center. <laughs> you know, that is one of the best deals going in uh, Mesa because you can get a membership for as little as, what, $60, yeah, I think? And they have events all year long, mm-hmm. and they send you these emails to tell you when there's something great happening. And, um, you know, like they just added Paula Poundstone, and I've seen her before, but... Oh, I love her. I love her. She's like my idol. And so I was on the phone the next day buying tickets. And, That's you know, awesome. it's... Did you guys, because members get word before. Yes. Right? Before yeah, you before. get notified ahead of time. Yeah. So my seats are on the second row. Nice. <laughs> That's a deal. Mm-hmm. We like the Maze Art Center. Mm-hmm. We think they're pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Cynthia, I have a really random question for you, and it kind of pertains to uh, an incident that happened to me last night. Um, just curious, have you ever been in a fist fight? Um, no. No? Uh-uh. no. Okay. I mean, I did have to think about that a little bit. Like what constitutes a fist fight? Yeah, yeah. Are you now? Are you okay? Did, oh, I mean, good. you look like you got the better end of the deal. I, I did not. Cooler heads prevailed. Um, it was a really random situation. I definitely was jazzed up afterwards, and uh, but then I was just like, man, I'm way too old to even almost be getting in a fight. <laughs> I was not the instigator. I'll say that much. But uh, yeah, it just led me to believe like I just now the whole day I've been walking around and looking at people, particularly people that I know. And I'm just like wondering, I'm like, have they ever been in a fist fight? Yeah. It's like, how well, I have a, a memory of a. I know you haven't. Have You're you? such a lover. I've totally been in a fist fight. <gasps> have you? No. I told, you. <laughs> I told you. I have a memory of a close call where uh, I had taken, do you know who Dr. Patch Adams is? Yeah. He, there was a movie made about him and Robin Williams uh-huh. starred. Yeah. Well, he was in Springfield for a conference and um, I was uh, one of the organizers of the conference and he wanted to go dancing and I said, oh yeah, there's not that many places, but there's a big place, uh, we'll go, it's a country western place and everybody goes and they have dancing every night. So I put him in the back seat of my Chevelle and we drove over there. You drove Patch Adams? Uh-huh. Whoa, this is and an we, interesting And story. we danced uh, in this horrible smoky bar. We danced and had a great time, and we got in the car, and we're leaving, and everybody's leaving about the same time, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a, and I honestly don't even know, you know, I guess we were all talking and having fun, and I wasn't paying attention, but this woman in the car or truck behind me 
got upset with me and came around to the window and I didn't know really why she was there and I'm rolling down the window and then suddenly I realized that she is gesturing and she is going to like try to pull me out of the driver's seat and through the window I have no idea why and so I'm rolling the window back up and, <laughs> and he's in the back seat and somehow or another the situation diffused and later I just kind of decided that he was back there channeling that red nose or something you know to <laughs> make the whole situation de-escalate and she went and got back in her car but, wow yeah that's crazy road rage is real that's yeah 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 you need to have patch Adams with you when it happens <laughs> do you know why road rage is 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 a real thing scientifically I, mean, I could make my own assumptions but i'm sure you know more things what's your assumption i mean because driving sucks that's real educated real scientific <laughs> Cynthia, Tell us science. do you have Tell a, us science. do you have a do you know why why rage is a real thing why because when you're in a car you're already your senses are already heightened because you have to be aware you're in this thousand pound you know moving object you're looking in your right and your left and you're just you're already at like a 50 percent heightened sense so then when something happens right if somebody cuts you off or whatever the case might be that it doesn't t it literally goes from 50 percent to like 80 like there's there's no you know you're already halfway there and that's why that's why road rage is as a real thing did you look this up joe rogan said that on oh. his podcast mm -hmm. You love Joe Rogan's mm -hmm. podcast. I do like Joe Rogan's podcast. He talks to some really interesting people, you know, says some really interesting things. But That is interesting. Um, Cynthia, you are going to be the feature. Mm -hmm. by, the, by the time this is released, it'll be released the week of your show. So okay. it'll go live on the Tuesday, and then you will be the feature on that Thursday okay. at Wordplay, and the theme is ghost stories. How are you preparing to tell these ghost stories? One of the stories I've written is about a time that I was really scared by a situation as a kid. Um, another piece that I'm working on is actually a poem um, about a, a someone who has a ghost lover. Is this real? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> is a ghost lover like somebody you dream about all the time? Or like, like a ghost? Someone you ghosted. Someone you... <laughs> That's a good one, Jen. Ghosting. That's what my story Yeah, about ghosting somebody. <laughs> I've never ghosted someone. You know me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm I'm excited. Go like way to way to keep us chomping at the bit there. Also, have you performed a poem yet? I did the second piece I did at the slam. Stories oh, was yeah. a poem. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you usually go with the stories. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I need I need lessons in writing poetry. And, no, you don't. Yeah. I, I when I hear people, I just let them talk, right? But I'm I'm a, I'm a, just a firm believer that poetry and stories, they're the same thing. It's you know, 
poetic narrative. Then know? why do your poems sound so much better than mine? That's because I'm good. No, it's it's because the same reason why I think your stories sound so much better than mine, you know, because I'm a fan of you. And I think that's, you know, when you have appreciation for somebody, you're always at least I think most people are always going to compare themselves and you're always your own worst critic. But I, you know, I don't think my poems sound better than anybody's, mm-hmm. to be honest. They're mine. I think if I were to read one of your poems, it would be a much different experience than you reading your poems. Well, yeah, it would be weird. <laughs> it would be weird, but also, I mean, like, your performance yeah. contributes to it, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. Same with you, Cynthia. Mm-hmm. When you share your story, it's, you know, half of it is because of how you share your story. Yeah. No, there is the performative side. Like, I think mm-hmm. that there, when you perform something, um, I don't think that there's a difference in, like, the, the writing of a story or, or a poem. You know, I think you just, but when you deliver it, when you speak it out loud, um, if you use a certain cadence or I was very influenced by hip hop. So I, you know, I, maybe that's why I Mm -hmm. like to be acrobatical with the way that I say the words. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. So, um, we're at the juncture in this podcast where we're going to start asking you very random questions. Okay. You can <laughs> plead the fifth. Okay. Um, <laughs> you act like it's going to be <laughs> incriminating. Like, <laughs> <types of> Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a favorite ice cream? Coffee. Coffee, oh my God, coffee ice cream is so good. And and I'm since I'm sure there will be a few Springfield listeners, I'm going to say Patterson's coffee ice cream. Okay, that's a that's so I'm assuming that's a Midwest thing. That's a Springfield thing from the 1960s. You can't even get it anymore. Oh, really? Wow. Way to tease us with that yeah. piece of information. Yeah. Dang, coffee. I you know we've we obviously ask all of our guests this question. I never thought about how delicious coffee ice cream is. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It is good. Does it have a lot of caffeine in it? I might just replace my morning coffee. With ice cream? With ice cream. <laughs> it does have caffeine. Yeah? Yeah. Um, do you have, so, but not all ice creams are built the same. Like, not all coffee ice creams are mm-hmm. built the same. Is there a, so Patterson's obviously, but like mm-hmm. one that's relevant now. Do you have a brand? I think that the Chameleon Cold Brew Coffee Shakes at Smashburger. Oh. Can I say that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> say, Smashburger. That. Those are the best. Those are good. Smashburger. They almost really taste like past Patterson's really? coffee ice cream. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever I'm made homemade ice cream? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's fun. Yeah. Have you? My grandma and grandpa used to do it. I'm I've surprised that it. you haven't. It's like right up your alley, <laughs> like homemade everything. You know what I mean? It's true. You should do that. I don't have an ice cream maker. I'll let you borrow mine. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Just Deal. kidding. I don't have one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you've done it. I have my uncle used to make homemade ice cream. Okay. I've made it with my uncle, who I'm no longer speaking to because he's a jerk. <laughs> and he'll oh, never listen to this podcast, so it doesn't matter. Get, wait, wait, can we talk further about that? 
or it's gonna be we're gonna talk later about he's just grumpy man (laughs) he's just a grumpy dude how old is he ah he's got to be in his 60s see what happens to you guys you hit 65 and he's always been that way though so i'll I'll give you i'll give you a story this is before i like ghosted him for that (laughs) you did legit ghosted him yeah (laughs) i love him man i just you know we we don't see eye to eye politically for sure you know what i mean that's that's definitely kind of the foundation of where it is right now but have you ever played the game pie face yeah yeah so a couple of years ago i have with the exception of of him all of my other uncles and aunts live elsewhere right so they don't always come for the holidays it's like every other holiday so this was a couple of holidays ago um and everyone was in town it was an amazing experience all my cousins like it was just fun we were having a blast my grandmother who's like in her 80s right and is like grew up in the the german war you know like been through some crazy shit she's pretty stonewall like stoic right she's playing pie face like everyone's playing pie face man and we're like uncle tom come on man like get in like let's have and he's just like no no and he was like angry about it and that that particular moment it clicked for me i was just like this dude is just something's wrong with him man like my grandma is playing in (laughs) pie face like come on man like get a little bit of whipped cream on your face man i don't know what's going on so uh, anyways that's kind of duty yes and then you ghosted him i did i ghosted him wait because he was like trying to text message you or something (laughs) 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 he doesn't text message (laughs) i just you know sometimes you got to protect your energy he probably thinks he ghosted you he probably did man (laughs) he did yeah Anyways. All right, All right. Other question. Yeah, go. Um, Cynthia, is there anything that you're listening to or reading right now that you can share with us that's inspiring you? You know, I just finished uh, Tim O'Brien, listening to Tim O'Brien's book, The Things They Carry. And I found him on that Ken Burns Vietnam special. Mm. And I thought his um, interviews, his testimony was so compelling. I wanted to listen to his book. And uh, he's such a great writer. Um, it's, the subject matter itself is difficult, but he is not difficult to, to listen to at all. He's, uh, well, and he doesn't read it. Uh, actually, uh, Brian Cranston reads that one. Um, Circling it back. His, Bad. Yeah, <laughs> circling back to Breaking Bad. It's just his his storytelling is so rich and authentic and takes you into that time and place. And yes, it's very revealing and um, he's very candid. And um, I just really enjoyed that book. You know, it's interesting. This is the first time that it has occurred to me that listening to like audiobooks would be a good source of inspiration for someone who's a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Like that literally had never struck struck me before. But it mm-hmm. seems to make sense, right? Like they're reading yeah. out loud like their yeah, story. Yeah. I guess that mm-hmm. does make sense. I didn't think about it. Very good. Look at you. Your brain's big. <laughs> How big brain ass motherfucker. That's why I got this huge <laughs> headphones. <laughs> big old brain. Um, Miss Cynthia, 
do you have like one major regret in your life? That's a good question. Yeah, let's, okay, let's skip the one major regret and go to the other major regret. So second, second fiddle. And that, I mentioned that earlier, that I didn't go to law school. Mm. Oh, really? I think I would have been a good lawyer. You're a great storyteller. That would make mm. you a See, I would have lawyer. to be a trial lawyer. And you're kind of mean. You said uh-huh, it. You're uh-huh. a bully. Yeah, you're a good a storyteller. Of, yeah. Are you a liar, though? I, I can be if I need to. <laughs> There's like someone on the stand, and she's like, your blouse is stupid. <laughs> Breaking them down. I like that you said I can be if I need to. That is that is the most classic answer to are you a liar? I can be. But sometimes you don't need to. You know, I got pulled over one night when I was leaving from my flower shop. My flower shop was on the same shopping center as first round draft. So I knew why he pulled me over. Thought you were drinking. Yeah. Tossing a couple back. Yeah. And so I, as soon as he got up to the window, I said, just curious, why did you pull me over? He said, well, you were fidgeting. I said, yeah, I was. I was scratching back here. <laughs> I can't see her pointing to her butt. <laughs> anyway, there wasn't anything he could ticket me before, yeah. you know, when he found out where I had been yeah. and where I was going. And I didn't need to lie. That was the beauty of it. That was different than another time when the highway patrol pulled me over. But, you know, and I did need to kind of <laughs> embellish a little bit. Mm, man, I do not lie to the police. <laughs> I tell them everything. You don't, I gave this advice to a friend one time, and she's thanked me for it ever since. You don't have to tell everyone everything. It's true. That's yeah. true. Did you hear that, Debbie? <laughs> 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 Debbie's my wife. I'm just kidding. Which I, was, which I is, love you, Debbie. What's funny is I was thinking, oh, maybe I don't need to tell Augie everything. Yeah. <laughs> Look, <laughs> man. I tell him all of the things. He's probably sick of me telling him stuff. He's like, okay, you didn't need to tell me that. <laughs> I definitely, I have a firm rule in my household and I'm just like, I don't, like, what I don't know doesn't hurt me. Don't tell me things, you know. I feel I like, the same way. I like living in, in the happiness of ignorance sometimes, you know. So, cool. Well, I, I'm grateful to know you and I feel like I know you a lot better now. You Thanks. Know? Um, I'm really excited to hear your feature in October. Well, I just love you two to pieces. Aww, you know, you. you're number one on my list. And Which um, one's number one, though, me or Jen? It's like a co- <laughs> like a, can be a tie. Co- can yeah, pick, pick it can. It can. doesn't, no. We got to have both. Yeah. When I think Wordplay Cafe, I think of both of you. I think Aww. of Samuel. I think of our DJ. I, mm-hmm. You know. It is a family. It is. It is. I'm it is. Grateful I think of that. a lot of people there, and I'm so glad I found it. Me mm. too. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad. Maybe Jen will come back one of these days. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just FYI, I missed September because it was my anniversary. So it was also our reason. anniversary. Okay, well, you're allowed, but, you know, sometimes I don't want to tell people about Wordplay Cafe because... 
It's so intimate. And, you know, like what happens when we have 200 people there every time? Oh. Uh, I think, it, I mean, yeah, I think that's a problem that I'd like to solve. Let's see. <laughs> I'd like to see how we can handle that problem. Yeah. I'd like to see how we can handle it. I, I feel like we could overcome that. It could yeah. still be intimate <laughs> with that many people. Yeah, I don't know. 200 we might dare be you too to much. Come. Yeah, but I definitely, I wish, I just wish more people would come because I think, you know, it is such a, an important event and, you know, and it does take work to put it on uh-huh. and, and, but most importantly, the more people there, um, the, 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 the better our community becomes, you know. Well, and we've got some really talented people there. We do, yeah. Um, And and new people all the time. That story Mm -hmm. that Dawn told Oh, my God, that was crazy. You missed it. Oh, yeah. She was hooking. Yeah. And and hitchhiking. Oh, yeah. And we, yeah, we were totally, she was unknown to us. It was unexpected. She yeah. was like, how much do I charge? Wow. <laughs> and then Holly pulled out her flip phone. Holly has a flip phone, for the record. I'm so proud of Holly for having Me a flip too. phone. Me <laughs> too. I was like, because we had enough time for folks to go twice if they wanted to. And I was like, Holly, do you want to go again? And she was like, well, if somebody has a phone. And I was just like, you don't have a phone and she just whips out this flip phone and I was like what (laughs) I was not I was surprised but then like immediately after I was like I'm not surprised the crowd went wild yeah (laughs) they loved yes (laughs) yeah it's crazy um cool well thank you for joining us on the podcast thank you thank you for everything uh I look forward to October and um just yeah thank you for being cool I appreciate Thanks. that. You know, the world needs more people like Cynthia in it. Yeah. yeah. Same. Cool. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, please stay tuned. Please give us, uh, you know, reviews or questions. And we'd also like to grow this community. So, uh, Jen, any final words? Uh, no. <laughs> no. I have no words. No words. No. Thanks for putting me on the spot. I'm uh, way more Kuna clever. Matata. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>